Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Michelle Nagel. Michelle is a TEDx speaker and international best-selling author, the Roar to Win podcast host, and president of Soul Shift Inc., known as America's number one resilience expert. For over 20 years, Michelle has guided people through transformation after trauma, betrayal, and healing core wounds. Personally endorsed by Jack Canfield, author of Chicken Soup for the Soul books, Michelle has guided people from all walks of life to make internal shifts that propel them to success, teach them to banish overwhelm, and find joy in their lives. Michelle is a certified Success Principles Canfield Methodology Trainer, a Heart Math Certified Trainer, and is a Post-Betrayal Transformation Certified Coach, an intuitive healer and energy therapist who has personally walked the path of healing after trauma. Michelle can help you go from who you are to who you want to be. And I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest, Michelle, who happens to be one of our certified PBT coaches. Michelle is going to be talking all about the shame of betrayal, what happens to us when we're betrayed, broken heart syndrome, and so much more. You're going to love our conversation. Here's Michelle. Okay, everybody, this is just going to be another amazing episode because we have the incredible Michelle Nagel with us. And not only is she wonderful in her own right, she happens to be a certified PBT coach. So she'll be talking all about that and how, what an incredible contribution she's making to the entire PBT community. But uh, we'll get to that. In the meantime, welcome, Michelle. Thank you very much, Debbie. I'm excited of, to be here. Of course, of course. You know, let's just dive into... Um, just the whole idea of there's so much, there's so much shame when it comes to betrayal here. We didn't, you know, we've been betrayed, but we're feeling that, you know, the embarrassment, shame, fear of judgment, whatever. But I really want to talk about shame because it's such a destructive emotion. Yeah. But uh, yeah, tell me about it from your perspective. Well, Brene Brown says that shame is actually the most destructive emotion that we have. And for me, um, once I was betrayed, it was, it's because it is all, we look at a betrayal as a complete reflection of ourselves, the rejection, the pain and everything that comes because of ourselves. I looked at it as, what have I done wrong? I must be a really bad person. Um, maybe everything he's saying about me is true and I just don't know it. And so I'm, I'm spiraling down into this, this hole of looking at what's wrong with me? How am I flawed? What could I have done better? And the, the shame, it makes no sense. I'm not the one who, who broke the relationship. I'm not the one who stepped outside the bounds of the relationship and you know, broke all of those spoken and unspoken rules. I didn't do it. And yet I felt intense shame. And I didn't even want to show my face because I was afraid that somehow there was, I don't know, maybe a scarlet something across my forehead that would just let people know, you know, this person is broken or this person is bad or something. And so for me, even going out into public where somebody might know was really, really difficult. And I live in a really, really small community. So going downtown, knowing that my betrayer was downtown with the mistress, and then they knew that we were still married, I would have people come up to me and say, 
I'm so sorry this is happening to you. And I'm going, how do you know what's happening to me? And they would say, well, this is a really small town. We can all see what's going on. And so there's the shame on top of that too. I just wanted to crawl under a rock. Right. So how'd you manage it? What did you do? For a while, I did crawl under a rock. (laughs) I searched everywhere to see what I could find to help me heal because at first I did start looking at the, you know, what's wrong with me because we have a tendency if it's, especially if it's been that you've been in a relationship with a narcissist, the people that a narcissist is in a relationship with, they always are looking at themselves. How can I serve others? How can I be good to others? We're just giving so much to everybody else all the time. So the first thing I did is I went in and it's like, what's wrong with me? And I spent months and even even years actually trying to figure out what I could do to change me so that I would get my betrayer back. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I just, it was all of this stuff that I was doing. And then one day I realized that I was killing myself. So the betrayer did what he did. And that was traumatic and terrible, but to allow it to go on for such a long time without any healing for myself, then the damage became my fault because I was, because I was beating myself up because I was trying to find out why I was such a bad person. So it's like, I'm constantly saying, this is my problem. This is my problem. I'm the bad one. And then one day I found you. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I had invited you onto my podcast and we talked and there it just clicked and I'm just going, oh my goodness, this woman knows everything that I've been through. She understands it from a very personal level. And just to be able to find you was like a lifeline. I really, truly had gotten to the point of where I was suicidal. And wow. there was this, this lifeline that was thrown to me and I grabbed onto it with both hands and just devoured everything that you had because it was this is truth. This is real. This is, she gets this. She understands this because so many people will say to someone who's been betrayed, oh, just get over it or just go find somebody else. And, and see, and I want to stop you. First of all, thank you. There are so many amazing things you said. First, first off, think about how we take it personally as if we did something wrong. Now, I'm not saying don't take a look at how we may have contributed whatever it is that that we could have done. I'm not saying don't take a look at that. What I am saying is look at how obvious it is that someone broke the rules of that relationship and somehow we blame ourselves. And and then we try even harder as if trying harder is going to make some sense out of it or or just beating ourselves up is going to make some sense out of it. And, and we go searching for what did I do, right? And isn't that just so typical of, of just so many people who've been betrayed and how we blame ourselves. And if I were only this, or I only did that or, and okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is think about how desperately we need support at a time like this and how that's the last thing we look for because we have so much shame because we're so uh, worried about being judged or embarrassed or whatever it is. And then how we make ourselves sick. And, you know, Michelle, you told that story and I had a similar one. I may have shared this with you where here I was, I I had never had a panic attack in my life. Mm -hmm. And it was not long after my betrayal. And really all I was doing in those early days was clients, 
kids crash. Clients, kids crash. That was really it. And I was on a client call in my home office at the time. And at the end of the call, I got really dizzy, really nauseous. Everything went black on me. I quickly hung up. And uh, my, I, don't even th I think it was my daughter who took me to the hospital. They, I thought I was having a heart attack. Uh -huh. Because four weeks before that, I had heart pain. And I know they say with women, it's a silent killer. And I was like, uh Oh, this is really hurting. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is a heart attack. And then here they are hooking me up to all these things. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, get, get me out of here. This place is for sick people, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, I have to get it together. This will kill me. Mm -hmm. And and so I get, I, I understand, you know, how, how this manifests physically and really how it can kill us if we're not careful. So what did you do? So what did you do about that? So then you saw, okay, there's a, there's a plan here and I can somehow do something with this. What was the next step? What'd you do? The next step is to really go deep and heal myself physically as well as mentally and emotionally. So I had, um, I developed actually broken heart syndrome, which is your, where your heart actually changes shape because of what experience you've had of the trauma that you've had. And they used to think that it was a short lived kind of a thing, but now they've discovered that it can go on for a long time. And so I was having those heart pains too. And I had never had a panic attack in my life either. I mean, I've, I'd been a, I've been a coach for 30 years. And so people would say, oh, I feel anxiety. I feel a panic attack. And, you know, intellectually, I'm, I'm all over that. I'm, I'm trying to be as supportive as I possibly can. But now it's like, oh, my gosh, I know exactly what that feels like. I know what that's like. So it was really important to me. So I actually took myself to Switzerland for two weeks and checked myself into a medical clinic where mm -hmm. they just basically worked on helping my body uh, heal from this major trauma. And my little doctor, she put her hands on her hips and she said, you love him, yes, he is not worth your life. And as I was sitting there looking at my blood work and looking at all of my numbers and everything, I'm going, she's right. I am killing myself right. and he isn't worth it. So, right. you know, we have to get to a point where we become the focus. We become the person that is most important to us. So, yes, we may have children that we need to take care of and they're awfully important, but we have to do the self-care and we mm -hmm. have to learn how to love ourselves. And so that was the journey that I took myself on is, is learning to love myself, which of course it brought up all of my childhood traumas and I had to deal with those too. And I discovered my limiting beliefs and my core limiting belief is I don't matter. Yeah. And so when I learned that, it's like I had to go deep inside myself and start peeling away all those layers of protection and defense and everything else and just be raw. And it was a painful process. I wish that this would not be a painful process, but it yeah. is. And, and, and here's the thing, and that brings up a couple of other things. First of all, this work is not easy, but it's transformative. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and this is also why so many people choose to numb, avoid, distract. Mm -hmm. This is why they're using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, anything to, to avoid facing exactly what you faced. Mm -hmm. Exactly, you know, it's because these are painful feelings. And then what happens is we start uncovering and we discover more and we discover more like going back to that, you know, these childhood 
uh, emotions and feelings and beliefs that absolutely don't serve us. So you know how the mind works. We will look for confirming evidence. So if we've grown up, whether someone instilled it in us, whether we just instilled it in ourselves, I'm not worthy, I don't matter, we'll find confirming evidence all day long to support that belief. So how did you, because there are so many people listening right now that say, you know, that are thinking what he or she said was right, or I don't matter, or what's, you know, I've, I've believed I haven't mattered for decades. Why should I start believing it now? What's the first step, you know, I could take now to, to even make sense that maybe I do matter and start taking, you know, and start moving towards a positive, uh, up in a positive space. I have a mirror in my bathroom since I live alone. It's I can do whatever I want to do with it. And I have, um, little promptings that have come to me I write them on the mirror because if I write in my journal I don't go back and read my journal so it's like you put it on the page and then you close the book you never see it again but these positive things that come to me these thoughts that come to me I write them on my mirror and they I pass them all the time every time I head into the bathroom there they are and I I see them and when I'm putting on my makeup they are right there in my face Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I remind myself and have a conversation with myself when I tell myself that I love me I need mm -hmm. to do that so I look deeply in my eyes in the mirror and I say Michelle I love you and I sometimes I hug myself I do anything that um, getting away from the rewarding, rewarding like this, um, things mm -hmm. of if I've been a good girl, I'll give myself some chocolate. That's really just numbing and distracting and avoiding and harming myself. So yeah. I don't reward myself with food anymore. Now mm -hmm. is that if I've done something well, and it used to be that I would do something and then I would move on to the next task without actually celebrating the fact that I had done something well. So mm -hmm. when I now I make sure that I take the time to do that because some of the uh, things that I experienced were as uh, they were chipping away at my self-esteem and have been for years and years and years. And so I look at what I do is like, I have to stop. I go, wow, look at what you just did, Michelle. That was really good. That was really great. You just helped somebody or maybe you accomplished something with business. You did something that was neat. So I take time to not do a virtual pat on the back. Sometimes I actually reach back and pat myself on the back. That was mm -hmm. a good thing to do. And I keep track of the good things that I do every day. And sometimes in the very beginning, the good thing was I got out of bed, I took a shower and I got dressed. Yeah. And you know what? It's, I think so many of us, we're really reluctant to reward ourselves, and I get that, but acknowledging, just even to acknowledge what you're doing, you know, this is this is hard stuff, and you also brought up leaving those prompts on the mirror and just saying, you know, I love me. If I tell you, how, and you know this from the work that you're doing, how many people find it so challenging to even look at themselves in the mirror? And that's that shame thing again. So even if you start by glancing at yourself in the mirror and <laughs> yeah. being okay with that, right? And then you, you hold that gaze a little bit longer. And isn't that so, it, it's so powerful. I know Louise Hay with the mirror work, it was so transformative. And that it should be so challenging is such, I mean, that's a crime right there. Why should we have such a hard time looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying we love ourselves? But, you know, it's it's so important and so powerful. So so you realized you had to take care of yourself. You realized I'm worth it. What did that shift lead to for you? Well, I have had the courage to do things that I 
didn't have the courage to do before because I had been told that um, uh, in a very sarcastic way, I was like, oh, you always have to be the expert kind of a thing. And so I was trying to play down, trying, trying not to be visible, trying not to do that. The synchronicity of things that are happening to me in my life, I mean, it's just so exciting. I'll open up my email and there's a request in there from somebody that I have no idea who they are, but they want me to be on their, their radio show. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, I have no idea who you are, but I'd love to. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Because it's so important to get this message out to people that there you can heal from betrayal. And um, so I just, the things that have begun to happen for me, um, are things that I had been working for for five years and striving for and fighting for and it was just so hard but then I went back and I began healing myself and doing these the inner work and those things that I was trying to get to are beginning to come to me and that's the because you talk about changing the vibration so mm -hmm. I've been doing the work and I've been changing my vibration and as I vibrate up here in the higher level those people that I've been chasing all along who are already at a higher level I couldn't get there because I wasn't at a higher level and so mm -hmm. I feel better now I feel like these things are coming to me because of the work that I've done yeah and and again this is not to say that this work is easy but is absolutely transformative and it's it's true we only we can only receive what we're putting out everything is energy so if we're resonating at a certain level well what can we expect that's all we can that's all we can expect back and and i even told you you look different you look different from when i first met you and it's a it's so incredible how when i when i watch someone heal from betrayal it's almost as if they they're carrying around this 500 pound boulder you know think about it you can't see anything in front of you you can't carry anything else that's all you're carrying mm -hmm. and when you set that down you're able to see what's in front of you you're able to grab opportunities your hands are free your arms are free and and looking at you everybody you don't have the pleasure of looking at Michelle I am looking at her now because we're audio but I'm looking at her on video but she looks radiant and glowing and beautiful and that's what transformation looks like and you know and that's not to say and you can attest to this that's not to say that we don't slip and you know and and those triggers don't get us because they do those triggers are so painful and so powerful uh, but but it I have to say I know it for me personally I believe with you too it's like a little uh, edge that we have because we're teaching this work mm -hmm. we kind of can't afford to slip too far right because we're showing up to, to teach everybody I mean you know Michelle you're teaching in our community all about narcissism and all about healing from betrayal you really can't as much as you can go down that slippery slope you can't stay there for too long because you need to to, to represent that that role and and there's something really powerful about that I want to get back to something you said before about childhood betrayal because this is a, a a wound that can shape our entire lives how did you how did you work through that how did you make sense and then meaning out of that well, I've uh, studied the, the Adverse Childhood Experiences study. That, that has really opened my eyes a great deal to realize that because of the traumas that I experienced, it's on a scale of one to 10 and I'm a nine. So um, I've had a lot of childhood trauma. And to realize that my brain is, has different shape than other people's brain because of that childhood trauma. And 
that makes a big difference for me to be able to look at the world in a different way. For, for me, I have always looked at the world like the world is a dangerous place and how can I save myself because everything out there is going to get me. And when I've been in relationships with other people who have less adverse childhood experiences, they're looking at the world like, oh, it's a wonderful place. Everybody's so kind and wonderful. And, and I look at them like, you're insane. This is a dangerous place to be. And just realizing that, knowing that that is the way that my brain works has been very, very helpful to me. And then I, I work on um, realizing that the experiences that I had, the betrayals that I had as a child, they were not my fault. You know, that's where you think about, well, the, my parents treated me this way because I must have been a bad kid. And mm -hmm. I've had that my whole life. It's like, what's wrong with me that my family treated me that way? My partner treated me this way. It's a long, long line and pattern of abuse. And mm -hmm. so I now look at after the healing that I've done and all the work that I've done, and I've had lots of wonderful coaches. You cannot do this work by yourself. Mm -hmm. I've had lots of wonderful coaches. I've had therapists. I've had the whole gamut of people who have helped me go through this transformation that I needed to go through. And when I got to the point of where I, I want to help other people do this because other people you know, I, it took me such a long time to get from point A to point B, and I know all the tricks and what works and what doesn't work in between. So now I need you to point A to point B in a much, much shorter time. And mm -hmm. that was something that, oh, I just, I feel like it's a blessing. And, and I look at the betrayal and, and so many things that happened in this last betrayal that it, it devastated me more than anything I've ever experienced in my entire life. And um, I can look at it now and it's like, okay, look at this though, because I got in a, a, you know, kind of an exploratory relationship with maybe with a guy with maybe I'll let you close to me. Maybe we'll have conversations. And I realized that he was triggering the heck out of me. Mm. And I would not have recognized that before. Before I would have just thought, okay, well, this must be you. You know, I would have taken the shame thing on again. I would have said, oh, this must be, you know, there's something wrong with you. You can't get along with this person. What is the problem? Now I look at it as like, no, this guy triggers me. We are not entering into a relationship. Mm -hmm. I, I look at that as a strength now. Oh, it absolutely is. And you know what? And that's one thing you know, doing this work, your BS meter is so sharpened and so strong. <laughs> it's you know, you could, you could sniff that out from a mile away and, and right there. You also said something else, and, and this is what I see so often. When we don't do the work to heal the betrayal, it's so common to have repeat betrayals, not because it's good, because it's so familiar. It's what we know. Yeah. So we just keep moving into the same type of relationship without, without you know, that awareness. What would you, you know, there's so many people don't want to look at that childhood, those childhood betrayals. What, what sort of, what advice do you have for them? Well, we are a, an accumulation of every experience, every thought, and every belief that we've had in our entire lifetime. And if you're not willing to look at the childhood betrayals, then you're cutting off the, the core basis of you. You're cutting off the foundation of you. And you can't just heal a surface thing. If you do just, it's, it's more like whitewashing it. It's, it's like painting it over and putting a picture. Isn't that pretty? And you can't see the hole in the wall because you just hung a picture up. Mm -hmm. Not a hole back there, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, you've got to go back. And the, like you've talked about the house that's been destroyed for some reason, the house burned down to the ground. 
you have a foundation there. Are you going to build a house on a foundation that's got cracks and holes in it? Or are you going to build up the foundation and then rebuild a house the way you want it to look like? So um, I have, and many people who have gone through childhood trauma, have a faulty foundation, not because there's something wrong with us, but because the people that were raising us were poking holes in our foundation. So mm -hmm. the destruction came from outside, but we internalize it. And that's, if you're not willing to go back and heal the childhood stuff, it's, you are going to repeat the same patterns over and over again. You're going to find the same people to treat you the same way that you're familiar with, where you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like something inside you says, oh, this feels normal. And normal mm -hmm. is not always good. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. What, what beauty can you possibly build on a faulty foundation? Mm -hmm. You just can't. It, nothing can be solid and strong. And you know, in my house example, I say, oh, you sure you could, you could patch it up. But with something like betrayal, that house is leveled. Mm -hmm. But here's the gift. The gift is you could build whatever you want. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why in the world would you build that same thing it, you have the opportunity now but it takes a different it uh, you know looking at it through a different lens you have the opportunity of building something so completely different so magnificent that you wouldn't have had had that not happened and and just like your example of getting into a conversation with someone who's triggering you now the old you the unhealed version of you would have said okay well this is familiar Mm -hmm. Let me just find a way to make this work. Right. But here's transformation, everybody, because the new transformed Michelle says, oh, you know what? That doesn't, that doesn't work with this new house I'm building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and the other thing with transforma transformation too is this, you know, we talk about the different stages, right? And moving from uh, stage three, which people get stuck in and stay there. And then stage four, that finding and adjusting to a new normal and stage, stage five, that, that rebirth and, and that building uh, something completely new. You know, when you think of moving right into that new house, condo, apartment, office, whatever, you don't take everything with you right? If you were to move into a new space, you don't take everything with you. And here's such a perfect example based on what you said. Those old beliefs, those old, it's my fault. It must be me. You just, you didn't take that with you. And that's why you could never recreate something old. So I just, I really wanted to stress that because it's so important for everyone to see. What's a tool uh, that listeners can use right now that'll help them in, in stressful situations? Breathing. And this sounds like such a, a kind of a woo-woo thing, or it's so simple. It's like, oh, yeah, how is breathing going to help me? But there's, uh, there's a study done by HeartMath Institute in Boulder City, uh, Boulder Creek, California. Um, they study, have studied the heart for the past 25 or 30 years, and they've discovered that if you live from your heart rather than living from the head, then you're going to be much better off. And if you think about it, you can't live without your heart. Your heart has to function. Your heart has to pump. It has to move the blood around your body. And all of the information that you get from your autonomic nervous system, from the parasympathetic nervous system part of it, comes up the front of the body, and 80% of that information stops at the heart. So mm -hmm. what you do is you breathe in deeply to the count of five, all the way down to the belly, and then you breathe out to the count of five. And then as you're doing that breathing, that repetitive five in and five out, you imagine breathing through your heart. And so I kind of envision my heart having gills on it. So mm. you do that. But you breathe through your heart. And then you remember a time 
when you did feel love, when you did feel safe, and you gather that around you where you can have some appreciation and love and gratitude for something. It could be a child, it could be a pet, it could be somebody who's supporting you. And just hold that in your heart as you're breathing five in and five out. And that will ground you. That will make it so that you're solid. The, it puts you at a heart coherence, which is the same uh, vibrating frequency as the earth vibrates at. So it will actually, it's a physical thing that you can do easily. You can do it wherever you are. Nobody, nobody needs, and you breathe anyway. So it's not, I was going to say, we're breathing anyway. <laughs> so it's not like somebody's going to say, oh, she's doing something weird. Oh, she's breathing. Exactly. <laughs> but when you do that, the five in, slow and deep, and the five out, and then concentrate on your heart and having those good uh, emotions in your heart, that will ground you. That will help it so that you, you can stop shaking. It will make it so that, um, and it, but it requires practice, of course. You need to practice doing that. But that's something you can do if you're like triggered in uh, at work. You're breathing anyway. Nobody's going to know that you're breathing differently. So, or if, or if you're triggered in an interaction with somebody that you have to interact with that you used to have a relationship with and you don't any longer, you know, those are the things that you can do. It's a simple thing. It's something you carry around with you all the time because your lungs go with you. Just mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. It's simple. It's doable. And, you know, with a betrayal, our heart hurts. So here's something we're doing. It seems like just a, a little thing that's just really caring for our heart. Michelle, what, what's something you want to make sure everyone knows before we wrap up? What I want to make sure everybody knows is that your betrayal was not your fault. It was not something that you did. And you are a, a beautiful, priceless individual just because of, just because you're here, because of the value that you bring to the world by being in it. And your betrayer cannot take that away from you. And I'd love for you to be able to go back and discover who you really are and let that shine. Beautiful. And Michelle is such a beautiful example of what betrayal uh really the, the gift in betrayal, what it creates. She is a glowing example of transformation. We are so blessed to have her as part of the PBT community. Uh, she's just helping so many wonderful people with her experience. And that's the other thing too. It's like, if we've gone through something really challenging, what a gift to be able to do something so powerful with it. So I just want to thank you for all you do for so many. Uh, and I know everybody listening is going to get so much insight based on what you shared. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love how Michelle talks about the positive prompts she sees whenever she looks at her bathroom mirror. Simple and powerful and also how important it is to acknowledge the hard work of healing because this stuff isn't easy. Stay in touch with Michelle by going to isoulshift.com and we'll have everything in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway breathe. What a simple but loving way to show yourself some self-care and give your heart some TLC. I also love what she shared about the faulty foundation many of us have when we've experienced significant childhood betrayals and how important it is to realize it's not our fault, but it does create some extra work because we see experiences through a different set of lenses when we've had a challenging childhood. If you haven't already, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz at PBT 
thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And doors are open to the all new PBT membership community. Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, and emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches like Michelle, and practitioners. You can schedule time with daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, personal development, spirituality. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. I'm so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks so much, so much for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough. Breakthrough.